My name is Keith Beavers, and I just found out that strawberries are not berries. They stem from a single ovary flower. Is that where the straw comes from? I'm so confused. What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Pair Podcasting Network? This is the Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers, and uh, I'm the tastiest director of Vine Pair. Okay, we're going to get a little complicated today. Have you ever heard of Sherry? Do you like Sherry? Do you know nothing about Sherry? Is it annoying that Sherry exists and you don't know enough about it? Let's break it down. It's confusing. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Taylor. Inspired by the traditions of Jerez, Spain, the sherry making that is, not the flamenco dancing, Taylor New York Sherry transports you back to a time when spirits routinely made trips on ships. In fact, in the 1500s, sherry was the first wine to complete a voyage around the world. Today, it makes a fantastic aperitif thanks to its nutty notes and dry finish. Throw in some ice and a little bit of seltzer and you have yourself a perfect drink. We've spent the last two episodes in northern Spain, some wild geology, some cool wine, some varieties we may have just learned about. But today, we're going to the absolute extreme south of Spain, to the hottest part of Spain, where something very, very, very special in the nature of wine happens naturally. <laughs> and this product has gone through so much drama and turmoil throughout history that today it's, it's on our market, but the, the true examples of it are often overshadowed by large commercial style examples of it. I'm talking about Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y. That one word is loaded as hell. Let's get into it. First, I want to say something about these wines. When we're talking about Sherry, we're talking about Port, or like next week, we're talking about Madeira. These are wines that were popular at a time when trade and commerce was done internationally on ships and wines that were not fortified did not last the trip. And so these wines were very popular during that time in the modern era. There is so much wine out there that these wines are not, I don't want to say not as popular because people just love them but they're just not as prevalent on our market. And the true expressions of them are sometimes a little more difficult to find. And also because of the way these wines are made, they can require somewhat, <laughs> they are somewhat of an acquired taste because when you're drinking wines that are made in these ways, you're not drinking your typical, dessert wine. You're not drinking your typical dry wine. You're not t drinking your typical any wine. This is, a, this is a style in and of itself, the fortified wine style. And this particular category, sherry, is very 
I should say, am I just, I should say particular <laughs> because what I'm about to tell you is wild. This is like nature doing cool stuff and humans just kind of like, oh, wow, look at that. And then making something out of it. And just like the crazy climate of Champagne, where they make they have high acid grapes, they make great sparkling wine out of, or the Sultern region where they get Botrytis, Cinera, Noborot, but they make great wine out of it, or in the Muscadet region where they have very neutral white wines that they age on leaves and make something awesome out of it, or whether it's the Vengeance of the Jura where they have their own film forming yeast. We're going to talk about film forming yeast a lot today. This is another like place that took this nature just happening and turned it into an industry. It's awesome. All the way down in the southern part of Spain, there is a province called Andalusia. It takes up the majority of the southern part of the country and almost its entire southern coastline. And Andalusia has about eight provinces in it. It's a Andalusia is one of the autonomous regions of Spain. And in Andalusia, there are five wine appellations. Towards the east on the coast, you have something called Malaga. And then just north of Malaga, in the hinterland of Andalusia, you have Montilla or Montilla Moriles. Then heading west towards Portugal on the coast, you have Jerez de Frontera, then you have Sanlúcar, Berlameda, and then you have Candado de Huelva, and then you just hit the Portuguese border. And of those five wine-producing areas, it is Jerez de Frontera and Sanlúcar, Berlameda that we're going to focus on because that's what the majority of what we're going to see on the American market. As far as history goes... That would take an entire podcast just to talk about the history of this place. If you're, you know, when we're looking at the history here, um, this is in the southern part of Spain. This is just south of Jerez, is the Jerez de Frontera. Jerez is the name of, of, of a town, is the port town of Cadiz. This is one of the most important port towns in the world. It's one of the port towns where a lot of people made it to the new world, specifically South America. It was kind of a holding area for that. So were other places, but it was a big port town. So from the Phoenicians to the Greeks, to the Romans, to the Moors, to there, it's been, it's been occupied by a lot of people, a lot of cultures and a lot of rule ruling parties or, or whatever. And it's also was the first place in Spain that Phylloxera hit. It's a roller coaster ride. It is an app. Reading the history of Sherry in this part of the world, I mean, you, you, you get dizzy. So we're not going to get fully into it because no matter what happened in the past, what's happening right now is what you need to understand if you want to get into this product, this style of wine. And I say that because this style of wine needs some explanation. The word Sherry is an English corruption of the town of Jerez. And the French called this drink Xerez. I can't, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's X-E-X-R-E-S. So Sherry, Xerez, it's all kind of comes together as just Sherry. In Andalusia, they call it Vino de Jerez. 
And also the reason why Jerez is called Jerez de Frontera is because at one time it was known as the frontier between Christian and Moorish cultures. There's a lot here. So let's get into the wine because the nature part is so fun. Like a lot of wine regions in history, this place grew multiple varieties. Phylloxera hit. It destroyed everything in the wine industry there, almost. And then they had to rebuild. And when they rebuilt, instead of having all the varieties all over again, they just kind of went with three. And there's a few outliers like there usually is, but... These three varieties are the primary authorized varieties, with one being the majority. So you have Palomino, you have Pedro Jimenez, and you have Muscat de Alexandria, or Muscatel de Alexandria. Palomino, the white wine grape Palomino, takes up about 95% of land under vine. After that, you have the Muscato, or the Muscato, Muscatel de Alexandria, that takes only up about 3%. And from, from what I've read, Pedro Jimenez, this variety is little, less than 300 acres. I think it's 250 acres in Andalusia. And this is how it breaks down. There are two main wine styles in this place across these five appellations. It's either going to be Fino, which means dry in Spanish, or it's going to be oloroso, which means scented in Spanish. And what they do here is they harvest their grapes. They make wine from these grapes, fermenting them these days in stainless steel, but back in the day in some purists today in barrel. And then they take that wine and they pour it into what is called a solera system. The Solera system is a, is very unique. We talked about this in the Jura episode, but the Solera system is a system that is set up where you have these barrels that are called butts. And if you line the barrels up, you line the barrels up against the wall, let's say that line of barrels is called a criadera. And you have stacks of criadera, which are lines of these barrels and they're all interconnected. So when you pour wine to the top, it all goes to the bottom. The bottom of the bottom criadera has the oldest wine in it. And every year they top it up with the new harvests wine. What is going on here? So we have all these interconnected barrels with really old wine in it. How is it all surviving? Well, it just so happens that in this place, there is a native yeast they called flor, F-L-O-R, or flour. This is a film-producing yeast. We, I mentioned this, we talked about this in the, in the Jura episode, and I mentioned I would talk about it here because flor is a much stronger film-forming yeast. This yeast, like all yeast, it's in the air, it's in the area, it's in the wineries, it's in the vineyards. You can, eat to, you can also buy it at the yeast store if you need to. But what they do is when they fill up these barrels, these butts, they only fill them up about five-sixths of the way. Because this is the thing about floor. What happens is floor acts like any yeast. But at some point when it gets exhausted, instead of just turning into a lee or just dying, it pivots 
alternates and starts feeding off oxygen and alcohol instead of just oxygen. And when it does this, it starts to form these little pods that look like a film. And this film goes over the wine until the wine stops, basically to the edge of the barrel. And this is floor. This yeast, it sits there and it protects the, the wine from being oxidized. <laughs> it's crazy. It feeds off oxygen while protecting the wine from oxygen while imparting changes into the wine based off of its interaction with the yeast. When you draw wine from the bottom criadera off of a floor based or a, a wine aging under floor, you, what you have is what's called a pale dry sherry or a fino. And depending on which wine appellation you're in in Andalusia, the, the word fino or the wine style of fino has different names. And this is why things can get a little confusing. In San Lucar de Barameda, they call it manzanilla. And this is one of the fino sherries you're going to see a lot of on the American market. In Jerez, they call it fino. In Montilla Moriles, they call it montilla. So let's say you're aging your wine in these barrels and the floor has developed and it's just sitting there. But this is like, this is nature, right? So nothing's ever guaranteed. And sometimes the, the floor starts to die or starts to weaken to the point where oxygen can get in to the wine. Where fino is very salty with high acid and clean. When the floor starts to be compromised and oxygen is allowed to be, you know, to be exposed, that pheno starts to darken, starts to change, starts to get a little, it stays really dry, but it starts to get a little nuttier. This is now called, it's a different style now. It's called amontillado. And amontillado is a word used to describe the wines that are made in Montilla or maybe were. It's just a cool, you know, reference to another wine appellation. It's essentially aged fino because this floor yeast, it's, I, I, I kind of think, I might be wrong here. I kind of think of it as like a sourdough starter where you have to keep this thing alive and if floor was left on its own, it would do the same thing as any yeast. It would, it would eat as much as it could, then it would just kind of like be inert or die. So what they have to do is they keep topping this up every harvest to keep this yeast going. And this floor can survive up to 10 years, up to a decade in a solera. So that's how the fino style is made. It's in... Um, in different places, it's called different things, but it is a Fino Sherry. As a wine, they're about 11 to 12% alcohol, and they are fortified to between 15 and 15.5% alcohol. Now, the thing about Floor is that it can't survive over 16% alcohol. So when the Fino is being made, they're always maintaining a lower alcohol percentage. But the Oloroso, or scented sherries, these wines are fortified to about 18% alcohol, so they are not aged under floor. 
they're exposed to more air. They start to decrease and evaporate a little bit and get more and more concentrated and darker and nuttier and browner and more amber. And the, the alcohol starts to strengthen a little bit and it's still dry, but again, it has this dark nutty caramel thing. The thing is sherries are dry. They're very dry on the palate. They have, they're like salty dry because floor also produces acetaldehyde, which is a, 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 an acid that will eventually turn a wine into vinegar. Every wine has acetaldehyde. So if a wine, a high acid white wine grape is already being made into a wine, it has acetaldehyde and the floor produces it. You have even more acid. So you have this very high acid, very sharp wine but it's still scented and it has this nuttiness to it. They're bizarre nature things. There's even a style called palo cortado, which means stick cut or cut stick. I can't remember which one, but palo cortado is even crazier because as a fino is aging under floor and well, well while that's happening, when someone pulls from the bottom and tops off from the top, this is called running the scales. You're running the scales of the solera. And actually the drawing of the oldest wine from the bottom is actually called the solera. So the cordillera are all stacked up. And as you're, this process is called running the scales. Traditionally, when they were checking on the wines, they would do a white chalk mark on the barrel to indicate that it was fino. As the if they if they found out that the yeast was starting to deteriorate, they would put a cross through that cut cross or cross it to indicate that this was going towards a Montiallo, and and ultimately would would, would create something between an Montiallo and an Oloroso. So they call it Palo Cortado. I, guys, I know this can be pretty confusing stuff, but really, all this is is wine in a barrel being exposed to oxygen and yeast in different forms to create different styles of fortified wine that are eventually fortified with a grape spirit. It depends on whether it's under floor or not under floor. And if it's under floor, it's called a fino, but it depends on where you get it from in the five appellations and whether it's called fino or not. That's the confusing part. But all this, all this is, is fortified wine. Okay, that was a total crash and burn breakdown of sherry. One thing I want to say before we part is... There are a lot of commercial, there's a lot of commercial stuff out there. There's cream, pale cream, there's all these different things. Those are fine. They're, they're usually um, added, they're added with sweeteners. The Muscat de Alexandria grape is often used to sweeten some of these wines. You're going to see them out there. That's fine if you want to try them. The true stuff is what I just talked about. And if you go out searching for that stuff, you're really going to get a sense of what sherry is like. So when you're out there, just make sure you're asking for the, the the right sherry or the sherry that is traditionally made, meaning that it is the flavor, the texture, the everything is an absolute effect of its interaction with oxygen and floor. Everything else can be manipulated, colored, and stuff like that. So don't worry about cream and pale cream yet. Go for the stuff we talked about 
And then you can try the other stuff and you'll realize, oh, okay, this is the traditional stuff that people fell in love with. Okay, next week, Madeira, so just get ready. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. E&J Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pairs Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide spectrum of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wine. Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but this is a wine podcast. Whether you are new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. Visit thebarrelroom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.